up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the mommy collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. I'm super excited today, especially because I have been going after this mama for probably since January. She has been at the top of my list. She, along with her husband, has produced an incredible franchise that has been airing on the penultimate, in my opinion, own network. I mean, if you're going to be in business with Oprah, I mean, haven't you hit the jackpot? This mama and her hubby, her hubby Tommy, her name is Cody Elaine. They created something that will go down in history. It'll document Black love and very appropriately titled Black Love. I love these stories because they're so simple in how they are produced. They are confessionals with Black couples married for a year, 20 years, 50 years, who sit down and talk about the trials and tribulations of being married, of the fact that it's a business of marriage, that you are joining together in a partnership. And as much as it is fun and sexy and loving, there are always hurdles that this partnership is going to have to hurdle together. There are always challenges. There are always kerfuffles. There are always snafus. Then there are kids and kids bring even more challenges to the plate. So to be able to not have really much representation of Black love in the media as we were growing up, we had the Cosbys. We had Family Matters, kind of. We didn't really see the two of them together. They snuggled a couple times every once in a while, but it was really their relationship with the children. But to be able to just sit down and to ingest the hardships, the joys, the love and the happy and the struggles of Black love is something that we all deserve because to see it in its 360 humanity is what makes it feel attainable, but also sets us up, those of us who haven't done it, in a really wonderful position to know that it's not just fabulous. It's not just fantasy. It's it's work. And it also reminds me when I do get married to make sure that I choose the person equipped to jump hurdles, to assess a situation, break it down to the smallest degree, understand where the best place is to go. Someone with an analytical mind, somebody who has game, somebody who has street smarts, somebody who understands big picture versus little picture, the long haul versus instant gratification. Those for me, and I'm speaking personally, are the things that I know that I need. Not just somebody, and I'm guilty of that, just dating somebody because they're fun. Just dating somebody because they're hot. (laughs) You know, just dating somebody because they look good on paper. 
And what they've done is they've broken down all of that and they are putting real life successful couples in front of us, honor us with their truth, really. So I'm super excited to sit down with Cody today. She will be here in just a minute. Mama Stay, please welcome to the mic, Miss Cody Elaine. How are you? Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot right now, to be honest. It's a lot. It just is what it is. Well, we are so excited that we finally were able to coordinate. Cody, Elaine, <laughs> you're here, Mama. It's so nice to see you. And as much as I know, you've got to be absolutely exhausted with three boys under the age of six. The oldest is five. That's That's no joke. I have one daughter and I'm exhausted. So... Let's dive into it. I know we have limited time, but I'm so excited that you're here. We are honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as before you got on, I like to do a little intro and what you and your hubby are leaving for us, documenting black love is so powerful. And I don't even understand. I don't even know if you know how powerful it is for the generations to come that they will be able to on the internet somewhere, be able to watch documented black love. Thank you. That means a lot. I mean, I, I people say it or say, you know, their version of like what it means to them. I never get tired of hearing it because it hasn't been an easy road, but the impact that it has on people means the most to me. Yeah, we don't really get to see it. Like I was thinking, what did we have growing up? We had the Cosby show mm-hmm. and then we had Family Matters, but it really wasn't about the two of them. It was about their relationship with their kids. And so about, to, right? <laughs> yeah, Urkel kind of stole the show. So to be able to just watch people who have chosen each other, who are talking so honestly about the ups, the downs, the challenges, the joys, and that they've worked through it is is revolutionary, really. Thank you. Yeah. And how is it really impressed upon your relationship with your not only partner in life, but partner in business? How has it changed or affected your relationship? It's funny because we've been doing it as long as we've known each other. We met September 2013. We talked about Black Love about a month in. We, I'll say we started shooting one year later, but we, because we talked about it very early. And when we met, I worked for Canon, the camera company. And my job was to give camera loans to directors and cinematographers. And so I convinced, we met in September by January, we had convinced Canon to give Tommy this loan because he's a cinematographer and a director, among other things. But we convinced them to give Tommy a loan to shoot this this Black Love documentary. And then by May, we received the equipment. And by September, we were shooting. And so we got engaged in February. So we got the loan in January. We got engaged in February. I mean, March, Lord, in March. And so this has been our whole journey. There's been individual, what is relationship? What is marriage? What is commitment? But like together, it's been, ooh, we're going to do black love. We're going to talk to this person. We're going to ask these questions. And did it like there was nothing before that. Wow. Okay. So is there a little fear now? Because I see this is the final season, which I'm not ready for, by the way. <laughs> is there fear there? No, um, there's not. I mean, that, you mean like, will it change our relationship? Well, the fact that it won't be there, there'll be an absence of like, because it, it's like a balance and checks, right? So every time you guys interview a couple, you get to discuss it and it's almost like free therapy in a way. 
It totally is, but it's not always a happy conversation. You know, there's been a lot of arguments. Those have stemmed generally from, I see something and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, can you just do that? And he's like, well, that's not really my personality, you know? So like, but, but, but they just gave you, they just told you what I've been saying and how to fix it or how to like, or giving you insight and vice versa, giving us insight into like what the other person's thinking, because we have the same issue or challenge and we just argue because we're not on the same page. So that I would say is, is why the, you know, the pros and cons of doing it. And then the other part of it is from a, from a business production standpoint, we have only gotten busier both with three kids, but growing two businesses, Black Love Inc. and Confluential Films. So the actual logistics of doing the interviews has gotten harder. We do all the interviews together, just the two of us, no PAs, no gaffer, no cinema, like Tommy does all the technical stuff. And so every single interview has to be scheduled around the two of us being there fully and the talent. And so it's gotten harder and harder to make those plans. And then I remember I was actually just saying this last week to to Cynthia Bailey and Mike Hill because they were talking about getting in a fight before we got there and how when when we knocked on the door, they were like, you, we, we sure you want to do this? It was like, we got in a fight after we left. And when we got to the next house, it was that awkward knock on the door like, hi, we're here. But at their house, that was our first interview of this season. Pandemic. Everything has increased in the last couple of years. Usually we used to shoot consistently interviews like nonstop and just apply them to whatever season it was. But because of the pandemic, we didn't shoot for a long time. So that was our first interview in a long time. And I remember doing the interview and then at the end, while we were supposed to be packing up equipment to go to the next house, like again, it's just the two of us. Tom takes a call for a very long time. And don't get me wrong, he is a professional. He runs a company. He is a filmmaker. Like, he's got plenty to do. But I'm like, A, this is rude. We're just in their house, not packing our stuff. And B, there are better ways. Like, there's another way to do this. Like, anyway. So getting into the nuance of logistics, it's just hard. Like, can I call you back in 30? Yeah, or 15. Let's just get the stuff in the car. You can talk to them all the way to the next house. Now we are here in their face and we're about to be to the next one right so yeah I won't miss that I won't miss that and it's just the nature of how our lives have evolved since we started doing this okay so I will get over it we'll all get over it but when couples because there's so many couples that we I'm sure the collective is like when are we going to see them but are there any specials can you promise us specials along the way (laughs) come on I can't promise anything. Okay. We are working on other projects in this space. This is not a space that I'm like, Black love is over and we're just going to go make horror films now. You know, there will be some of that. You know, Tommy likes to make everything. He loves drama and sci-fi. So Confluential Films is making all kinds of projects. Black love is still focused on the Black community and love in all of its forms. So parenthood, sisterhood, brotherhood, dating, love of community. I'm sure I'm forgetting self-loved if I didn't say that. So we're we're doing a lot, scripted and unscripted in that space. And in our day-to-day, we do year-round live and virtual events. We have robust social channels where we're able to partner with brands on a lot of short-form content. 
Our goal is to just like be that smile on your face that makes you feel good and happy and excited about being black and worthy of whatever form of love is coming your way. And so that's what we do every day. And have three kids. And have three kids. And have three kids. I mean, look, you made some beautiful babies. So let's get into it. Thank you. Yeah, girl. First young king comes along Mm -hmm. five years ago. It's a little easier. Then you get blessed, but bam, with twins. Yeah. What adjustments did you make, mommy, as a businesswoman, as a partner, as a mommy of one, to go from one to three? Because it's not, it's way different to go from one to two than to one to three. Like, that's just like hard to even comprehend. What a funny question, because honestly, none, like none. I mean, what adjustments may have been like forced on me is sort of different than like, what did I consciously say? You know. In order to tackle these children and, and my career, I need to change some things. I should have. I'm there now, right? I'm Now I'm like, oh, some things need to change. But um, at that time, we were in the thick of it. You know, we had Brooks, our oldest, in October 2016. And Own had licensed the series, I want to say late September. And so it was like, oh, okay, now we have to finish it because we had pitched with with very robust materials. We had the whole first episode done and we knew what the show was going to be. We had a treatment, everything, but we had to finish it. So I started working five weeks after he was born to finish that in January because it was going to air in February. And then they were like, oh my God, we love this so much. You want to give it more time so we can properly market it. And it didn't come out till August. So that was year one. And then they ordered season two right away. So we were just doing that. And I always knew I wanted to have kids close in age. Let's see, 2017 was the year of season one. And then by spring 2018, I was like, like, well, I was pregnant. I wasn't like, let's go. I was like, pregnant. <laughs> I was ready to start. And we, and it just happened so fast. And so that was season two. We were, we were finishing season two in 2018. We did the first annual Black Love Summit in October 2018. So Own used to split our season in half. We would have four episodes in like May and then the four in October. So second half of season two, first ever Black Love Summit, launched blacklove.com, all of this October 2018. And then I had the twins November 2018. It was wild. It was a lot. And I didn't actively change anything. Like I, we were growing. So at best I was like learning, certainly not changing. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, I distinctly remember a conversation in summer 2018 where he was like, for example, you can't be the editor in chief of blacklove.com because like you don't have the bandwidth. And I was like, yes, I can. I can do anything. You know, it was a whole fight, which now in retrospect, that was too much, especially if I'm about to have a baby or two babies. So I was learning what it took to 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 not just run blacklove.com but build it. We we were building up um content for months to come and then what was going to come after that. We were about to start shooting season 3. We had just started the Black Love Summit so it was like guess go to do another one of those. <laughs> so we were growing. There was no take a step back and and look at all this. Um, so I started working three weeks after the twins were born and that was at home. Like, you know, I I was at home. I had a nanny who would help take care of the kids. So I could just sit on my computer and the oldest was in school. Brooks was in school. That was probably the best gift because it was like, oh, we need some structure. 
before these people arrive. And he's like, uh, why are they taking all my attention? And, you know, so we get a couple of things very strategically to make our lives better. But it was it was very difficult. And introducing Brooks to the twins, was there a game plan? Because they always say that it's a little funky. It gets a little crunchy in that there's new people here. Wait a minute. Mom and dad are mine. So how was that approach going into introducing the big brother to his little brother? So the thing I was most like proud of, I guess, is that we talked about them as early as possible. As soon as we knew the gender, we were like, you're going to have brothers, brothers. So he was he had brothers. He knew their names well before they were ever born, because I guess we found out maybe May and they were born in November. So by June, he knew he was having brothers and I'm sure we named them relatively early, too. So he knew their names. He's also, um, you know, he he could say their name like he was not even two at that point. He would he turned two in October, one month before they were born. So, but he could say their names. He was practicing their names. Uh, so by the time they came, it was like, oh, that's Aristotle and Langston. Yes, my brothers. <laughs> so I was very happy about that. And he he really never had any issues around them. I'm obsessed with the fact that you named them before they were born. Like I wasn't able to do that. And then how did you know which was which? Oh, did we know? I believe. Okay, I, I can tell you. <laughs> It has a, it's a story about how they were named. So Tommy, girl, Tommy got to name them both. And he wanted to name them Aristotle and Alexander. Okay. Because of the, the, the gravity of those two figures in history. But I didn't know this. Aristotle was Alexander the Great's mentor. So you knew that? Okay. So Aristotle would have come first. So baby A was always Aristotle and baby B was Alexander. And I was like, as soon as he told me the names, I was like, well, if we're going to name them after historical figures, can we can we choose a black historical figure? Like, come on. So I gave him a list and he selected Langston from the list. So that is why Aristotle was always baby A and Langston was always baby B. Oh, OK. To have three conscious little kings who get to say what they want to say when they want to say it and honor them is a lot of work for us. Yes, it is. Like, shut up, shut up, Tanika. Let her do her thing, right? It's a lot to adjust. Do you have, you have a mother. Is your mom living? Yes. And when she comes and watches you parent, what are her thoughts? I mean, I know her well enough to know, because I'm trying to think, has she ever said anything explicitly? But I mean, she definitely thinks that I'm like a good mom, for sure. Like, she's very complimentary, but there's a lot of that like new school stuff that it's not like she's like, you need to whoop them kids. It's not that, but she can be, she'll get very sharp with them. Like, because I said so, right? And I'm like, that's not going to work here. They're not going to, they're going to be like, but why? But why though? So that's kind of funny, but she doesn't, she doesn't, she certainly doesn't judge or, or say anything negative, which is great. Because I said so works so well with us. Well, we had no other choice when we were growing up. But because I said so, these kids are like, ah! they like laughing. Right. Face. Right. Who? What? But I said, <laughs> like, no, we don't care. Exactly. I have to keep telling my eight year old, uh, the word is please. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's and you know it. Y'all know it. So just use it. Yeah. We've given them a lot of power. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Because then they, they are confident and they're self-assured and they get to create ideas and they have, they, they can stand on their own in a sense. So moving forward, are you having more? Mm-mm. Denzo. Yeah. Denzo. For yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Tommy didn't want three. So as soon as that was official, he was like, okay, we're not having any more. I'm done. And I was a little sad about it. I probably stayed sad about it for two years. Not super sad, but I remember the two year mark was kind of like, oh, this is really not, this is, I'm not saving clothes. Like I'm starting to forget what strollers are good for, you know, the overhead bin. Like, you know, I felt like, oh, I don't even know the things anymore. So I was a little sad about that. And, and, and I had to make peace with never having a girl. Not that I was, uh, you know, attached to that as much as I thought the option, you know, the option's open until you're done. <laughs> exactly. And Tommy didn't have this yearning for a little girl. Cause that happens a lot with dads. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're done, sis. Yeah. And then frankly, like the rational thought of kids are expensive. I don't need four. So raising three children in a very complicated time, the world is technically on fire. How do you keep your kids sort of safe? Not physically. I mean, just emotionally. They feel all of our energy. In our house, we've gotten rid of television. So there's no accident. There's not going to be any news blaring with death and despair. It's none of that. How do you keep your kids like spiritually and emotionally safe in these crazy times? One thing, I don't know why I want to respond to this, but like, I hate the news. I used to work in news. I worked in journalism. And so I haven't watched the news since, unless it's an accident, since 2007. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll throw on the inauguration. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Mm-mm. Well, my, I mean, 2007 is pretty early. For me, it was... It was when the world decided to elect a psychopath. That's far. When I was like, I'm good. I I was definitely good before, but that was like, oh, great. There's nothing for me on those channels. Because like you, I worked in news and we understand implicitly how the narratives are skewed and how there's an agenda. And it's never about making us feel safe or secure. Yeah. And you know what, too? I worked in news. Like, you're absolutely right. There is an agenda. And I worked at Fox News and I worked in D.C., but there was enough bad news. Like, there was enough organic, horrible news that I don't even remember. Yes, the agenda is real. I worked with really great people. Like I have no regrets about my time there and the people that I worked with. It would be when I would turn something on the network because it was on, you know, all around the office that I'd be like, oh, my God, why are they why are they doing that in New York? Because <laughs> it wasn't typically us. But um, there was so much horrible stuff happening that that was enough for me. It wasn't simply the spin. It was the the 10 a.m. meeting every day. I was I was fortunate enough, even the news, you know, 24 hour news network, you could be working at 3 a.m. I was fortunate enough to be on a 6 p.m. show. So we started at 10 and we were done at 7 p.m. But that 10 a.m. meeting where we talked about all the horrible things that happened in the world during the the presidency of George W. and the Iraq war and all of this stuff was like, oh, this is this is not how I want to start my day. And then we decide which ones to cover. Like, like, oh, this is bad, 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 bad. I guess these three are really the worst. So let's just, um, you know, that I, I just never could watch it again after that. Well, I 
God bless you that you survived. So this is what people say to me all the time. You have a child. Where do you get your news? So I'm going to ask you, you have a husband, you have children, you have uh, industries to protect. Where do you get your news? Everybody else. Let me, um, you know, like, frankly, if somebody's going, if it's really important, I've always said this because I'd stopped very early, as you said, and Facebook was a thing. So I would see stuff and I certainly curate my, um, my feeds, my Facebook, my Instagram, we know. So I'm following people who typically believe what I believe and share some of my views. So when I would truly get my news from people sharing things and I have two best friends in PR. And so again, if something really is rising to the top, I'm, I'm going to know. But I don't want to hear it from Shepard Smith. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear it from those people. It's an important question here at Mama Stay because like you, we try to have like-minded people here. It's a community of women that if they didn't know that there was an option, I want to give them an option in how they can think and how they can raise their children. We had Braylee Evans on this week talking about, I grew up in church, but I, I read the Bible, but I interpret it myself. Right. So there's new ways that we are giving people options so they can raise their children without the generational traumas and curses and these things that don't really come from us organically. So that is an important answer that you curate your social media. And I've said this for years. Stop following shenanigans or you're going to have shenanigans in your life. Absolutely. In your psyche, in your dreams, in your in the back of your mind, like, nope. I truly do not like I, I kind of covet like the people that I follow. I typically don't follow people I don't know unless I really admire them for some reason. Even some fashion sites, right? Like I might like fashion, but the more I look at that, the more I'm going to think I need every Jimmy Choo and every Chanel. And that's not healthy for me. We have to think about what we're ingesting. Yes. What we ingest through social media is almost the best diet we can have for ourselves. Have you ever seen The Social Dilemma? I've tried to see it, but I haven't dug all the way in. Did you like it? I liked it for the information that it gave me, for the understanding that it gave me. Essentially, the and I wasn't going to watch it. I think Tommy wanted to watch it. And I was like, all right, I guess. Essentially, you know, it explains how the algorithm works. And, and this was early pandemic that we watched this. So this movie has to be two years old now. But I watched it. Actually, it's what made me get an Apple Watch. Because I got to remember, but the, the thinking, the thing, the take, one of the takeaways that I had was like the amount of time that we spend on our phones and our kids seeing us on our phones. And I was like, man, if I can not hold my phone all the time, that was a big part of the reason I got this. I was already, you know, big on walking. So it was a way to track my steps. But that was the thing that put me over the edge. I was like, oh, I need to, I need to watch so that I can, if I need to respond to something, if I need to view something cool, but I don't have to walk around with my phone all day and my kids see that. That is, I'm being called out because my daughter, my friend, old phones and she's constantly like I'm making, and she'll be like, Hey girl, like pretending like she's making phone. And you're right. It's a hundred percent. What our kids are inheriting is a lot. Yeah. And it's hard. We, nobody knows how they're going to manage it, but we have to give them the tools. The other takeaway for me too, was that these websites, social media websites, whatever they are, I don't even think TikTok existed when it came out. So Instagram and Facebook was the focus. 
but they're designed to keep us there. They are designed to keep us there. The pop-up that you get, the way in which your comments will show up at the top, you know, when some, you know, they're designed to keep us on the platform. And it was one of the things that I was grappling with. Never did I think that Black loves socials shouldn't exist, but sometimes, especially then when I watched it and it was probably 2020 when there's so much negativity happening, that film reminded me that like, if the algorithm is is going to keep us there, if the algorithm is going to pull us in and work hard to make us stay, then I want to be able to create sources of positivity so that if you're going to be there, at least you can see, you know, you can look on the Black Love feed or even my feed and feel good, feel seen, feel like you have resources, feel like you have hope and, and joy. And so it definitely made me double down on like, well, if I have to be there anyway because of, you know, professional reasons, then I'm going to make sure it's worthwhile for everyone. How has it been for you guys lately? Because everyone is complaining about the latest improvements or maybe the worst thing. Nothing's an improvement. (laughs) It's not an improvement. What we're finding is if you put like black love, your posts get sort of pushed down. If you not black love specifically, but anything black, anything I'm noticing the engagement is very low. Have you guys noticed anything like that? Absolutely. You know, we probably haven't said this out loud before, but we hit a million followers in like February, early February or late Uh, January. We've been like sitting at 1.1 ever since and and really trying to analyze and observe like what's happening here And, and talking to other creators and just learning how hard it's been for everyone. So it's it's definitely been challenging. We ain't we are slowing down because we know that we're a source of positivity, but it has been disheartening to see that. It's just been really interesting. And I don't even have the answers because for us, because it's all about video. It's all about original video. And we are a brand that has historically uplifted and celebrated our community by showcasing both our own Black love content, but sharing other people's UGC, other people's um, uh, moments, special moments. Now Instagram is like punishing you if you're sharing something that somebody else did. And it's like, well, dang. Oh, I can't nap. Like I'm, you know, it's hard out here right now. You're not a nap, but you're young. No, no, no. I can, like I love a nap. I just, I feel like I'm on 24-7. You are. So, okay, that brings me to wellness because, you know, napping is revolutionary, as they're saying. Rest. I'm going to go lay down. Did you hear that? It was like she went viral because we all do. It's like somebody else said, we aren't as humans built to just work, 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 work. And parenting is work. We love them, but it's work. So I know you're young. What are you in your 30s? 38. Okay. So you're super young. (laughs) <laughs> your baby, your baby raising babies, oh, man. but going forward, you have to start developing this self care for yourself. I'm fully aware. I really am. I just right now, I, I think it's either not the season for it. Okay. I, I have a joke. It's not even a joke. I'm a Sean Mendez fan. Okay. Yesterday, I guess he canceled all his tour dates and, and for his mental health. I joked to my friend, I was like, I guess Sean Mendez is about to be my mentor because I'm not in a place where I can just like take an extra nap or like take a day off. Like for me, I have to cancel all my tour dates. You know what I mean? Like 
And I think I'm not doing it because I know how big of a, of a change I need to make mm-hmm. that I'm just kind of like, just keep my head down and it'll get better when I need to cancel all my tour dates. Mm. So in a perfect world, if there were no repercussions, mm-hmm. what would you do for the next month? Nothing. I would definitely not work or, or rather, okay, let me, let me try to really pie in the sky this, right? Pie in the sky. Because the reality is like, if somebody said like, don't go to work for a month, then I wouldn't. Um, I have so much to do and so much, you know, obviously I love what I do, but if I, if I really was going to plan a month realistically, like I would, it's so hard to even let my mind go there, go there. I would absolutely take a vacation, even if it's not, you know, if it's just a week. And then I would work three to four days a week. You still put work in there. Still, I mean, I, I I run my business, you know, it's it's black love. I would, but I would say the work, frankly, okay, if I'm really mapping this out, the work would then be planning, strategizing. Right now I'm I do so little of that, trying to do the things that need to be done right now. Mm-hmm. So it would be more of like rich, the, the retreat kind of work. Um, but yes, I would still do work and I would sleep in. Till what time? As much as possible. Look, at least till eight, right? Like eight? Oh, at least. Oh, this is not pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. Does that tell you about my life? Can I just like, it, every morning, Right now, especially is so hard because my children will come in at like six, between six and six 30, which means if I want to do anything, I have to do it before that and hope they don't wake up. And I get it. Like some people, especially moms that get up at four or five o'clock to do the things I'm going right now. I'm going to sleep very late. So I'm trying to like back up and, you know, but it's one or the other. And so I'm okay getting up at six, six thirty. But the problem is that I have to get up before that in order to be productive in any way. And then I'm groggy and tired and grumpy. And they still wake up. They still come in like, "What we doing?" But them kids don't care. No, they don't. They don't care at all. Mm-mm. And they're very needy right now. The two youngest, especially, they take turns, just like kind of screaming, you know, "Pick me up!" I'm like I can't pick you up and make you breakfast. And if you're going to scream at me, I'm going to scream, put your underwear on so we can go downstairs and have breakfast. And he's just not going to do it. Like they just are unfazed. Mm-hmm. So the the 6 a.m. to 8, really 6 a.m. to 9 right now is I'm, I'm a zombie. Begging people to do stuff, being tired. When I drink coffee without eating, I get all dizzy and 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 um jittery, but I don't eat in the morning. Like it's just a mess. It's just a mess. But what I desperately need is to sleep in. And I'm not a mom that can sleep in while they are like screaming. Uh, yeah. Like I need to not hear them. I need to not be affected. Anyway, so I'm trying to figure that out. The whole family <laughs> needs to sleep in. That's hard. Can your yeah. take the morning duties to the point where you don't hear them? So we have definitely had a shift recently. The babies just started school. So it shifted her to like an afternoon schedule. And that hit me real hard this week when it was like, I used to be able to get up, get Brooks ready to go. And the babies would be a part of it. And they might be a little in the way, but at least I know at some point somebody's coming to take over. 
Now I'm getting all three of them up, expecting them to put on clothes, brush teeth, sometimes take a bath, eat breakfast, and then we go. And none of that, (laughs) none of that happens. And nobody's coming to help me. You know, like Tommy's out of town right now, so I'm not trying to, you know, put him down. But, you know, we work a lot. And so there's no relief until I get them in the car so we can get where we're going. Ooh, child, I understand. And beg them to go inside the school, okay? Beg. Okay, so that brings me to the thought, because I know you and Tommy are very, you. everything's done together in partnership. When he is in town, you've got three kids, you've got your business. Are you guys 50-50? As far as I did breakfast, you do dinner. Like, how does that work? Or... Yeah, I'm, I have, um, I guess, long COVID, so I be coughing. So oh, <laughs> you. that's a whole other thing. Girl, my, I'm telling you, my daughter got sick, got me sick, throwing up all day. It was like too many things, but hopefully we got it out. So <laughs> I give that's a whole other thing you got to worry about with your kids, right? Mm-hmm. Is oh yeah yeah. So I was asking. Let me ask you that again. So you and Tommy, you, businesses together, you're in partnership, fifty fifty. You're in partnership having children, 50-50. But on top of that, are the duties of parenting 50-50? Or how does it, how does it work in your house? Um, no. We basically lean into our strengths, but I wouldn't say that's a foolproof approach. For instance, he is not a morning person. Rather, he doesn't like to get up. You know, he can do whatever he needs to do. Way more so. Yes, absolutely. Right now I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. And this is the first time I have three in my face, right? Like we went through a couple of moves recently. And so the kids, everybody's off. And so right now I have three in my face and he's never been the one to get up and get them ready. There are a lot of other things he'll do, but not that. And and so when that really is hitting me hard, it's challenging. He's also very strategic and planned. If it's outside the plan, he's like, uh, somebody got Somebody else got to figure this out. Parenting does not exist inside the plan for the I most- agree. I mean, look, there's definitely exceptions, but we are definitely a household where if there is a, if there's a surprise, I'm typically the one to handle it. There's a got to get picked up. He just has, I have a little more flexibility and or provide a little more flexibility. And I think that I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think that women in general typically do. Typically, that's not across the board, but typically. And so it's not a perfect system. It definitely needs to be revised, reviewed, and re-signed off on every couple of months. But that's where we are right now. And and frankly, he, with the the business that we're in, you know, he's producing a movie right now. So he, two actually. So, and one is in LA and one is not. And so he's going to be out of town every other week, so, which is also new. We've, we've definitely dealt with some out of town stuff, but like two, three days here and there. So we're just in a period of adjustment right now. And it is exhausting. Definitely. If you're worn the F out, mm-hmm. then there has to be some sort of reassessment. You're a hundred percent right. And then something that I'm like fully aware of is, is we have to be responsible for ourselves, right? Yes, I have to tell him what I need, but I also have to take what I need however I can. Um, and, and that's a learning process and it looks different every day. You know, there was a time recently 
where we were doing a lot. You know, like I said, we had a couple of moves uh, recently and I was like, I just need to go. I'm going to Target. Goodbye. Why is that the place that all that's so the place, girl? Like, that's the place. Girl, I run it high. They have it all. <laughs> well, and same. black owned too. They got black owned products. I'm not. I'm in Target. See, as a single mom, it's like I don't. I don't get those moments. Yeah, I get, but you know, her dad's seven minutes down the street, so it's like I need you to come have some hey. water and me time. Yeah. But it's real. A lot of moms say that they run out. The, I got to go get paper towels <laughs> and they disappear for a couple I mean, hours. We genuinely needed things, but I just needed to go. I just needed to go. I was like, and and normally I would kind of negotiate it and, you know, well, you need 10 minutes. Okay, I, I'm going to go in. No, I was like, I'm going to go now. I have my purse already. It's on. <laughs> I have my keys right here. Bye. Let's go. I can't take it. I'm not going. I'm not going to talk about this. I know that you've got it all figured out. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah and mama stay.